As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Totally Football League show. Middlesbrough are up for the cup and promotion. There's more never tedious Derby County admin chat. Goals and grapples at the DW as Wigan maintain their promotion push. And we've got a proper relegation tussle in League Two. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. Here we are again then, gang. It's me, Matt Davis-Adams, back with you and shuffling the pack a little this week as I welcome two of Talk Sports' finest to help me talk sport. Uh, football specifically for the first time in far too long the former goal getter supreme turned tip top pundit David Connolly's with us hi David how are you doing Matt nice to see you yes very good to see you too thank you Dance Ian Dance is with us too I, I wanted to ask you Dance before we really get going here what did you make of this small Heath Alliance match that took place on Saturday we we laid into it on on Monday's pod were, were we being mean or, or did it anger Blues fans well, it, it served a purpose for the BBC, I'm sure, in terms of promoting Peaky Blinders. Uh, and, well, it, Small Heath has been used as a pejorative by fans from across the expressway to um, sort of denigrate our uh, our club. Uh, it's, it's been used as kind of a, a put-down. I didn't mind it. It didn't bother me that much. What did bother me were the stories of... Uh, the scarves that have been draped over each seat, commemorative scarves, there were stories of uh, one or two fans uh, taking huge sways of these scarves for themselves and some have subsequently appeared on auction sites, shall we say, uh, at vastly inflated prices. And that annoys me. That's just, that's you know, give them an inch and they'll take you a yard sometimes, some people in society. That annoyed me. But the thing that annoyed me most was the result, Matt. You know, <laughs> losing at home, but then I shouldn't have been surprised because Huddersfield are in terrific form just now. All right, we're going to start today by having a look back at some of the midweek FA Cup action involving EFL clubs. We're recording on Thursday morning, so the most recent game that we're going to reflect on took place at Kenilworth Road. David was there to see Luton almost beat Chelsea. And his cross is made the net post, and the championship side lead to Risberg in the opening two minutes of the game. Across to Lukaku, and he gets his goal. That's what he's waited for, and Chelsea for the first time in the night are ahead. 
Uh, it was a good circumstance for Luton, really, David, wasn't it? Going into the game with all the Abramovich stuff that that we heard about just before kickoff, and and they almost managed to to produce a shock against the the world and European champions. Yeah, I mean, um, certainly the timing of the news was was you know, I mean, Thomas Tuchel has said this morning, uh, and we discussed it at the game. You know, players ready to go out, everyone's still on their phone, they would have heard the news. And I'm sure that had a bearing because, look, they were slow starters. Luton got off to a great start. They're such a threat, as we know, in wonderful form at home. You know, set pieces, throw-ins, all that sort of stuff, we know they're a real threat from. They, they scored a great goal, a terrific finish from Reese Burke. And, and obviously their second goal from Harry Cornick was, was really well taken as well in open play. But to be honest, it just looked like they just fatigued a little bit. And in the end, you know, the quality that Chelsea possessed. But, but nonetheless, you know, to recover from a goalkeeper going off and, and, and everything else, I, I thought Luton was superb. So that was Wednesday. And meanwhile, back on Tuesday, Stoke nearly men against Palace in a pretty forgettable game. Posh made a game of it against Man City, but ultimately fell to a 2-0 defeat. They got a couple of tricky fixtures next. They're at Huddersfield on Friday and then Bournemouth on Tuesday. Uh, Dance, you're at the Riverside to see Middlesbrough shock Spurs. It was it was a deserved win, wasn't it? They, they had to wait to extra time to get it, but they played really well. Yeah, they did. They could have won it in normal time. Matt Crooks had a free header from a house and corner that he should have put in. He ended up in the goal where the ball should have been. Um, Housen had a header later on from another corner in that second half. Spurs just seemed to be sitting in and trying to pick Middlesbrough off on the counter. But what Chris Wilder and Middlesbrough did really well, uh, I don't know what you guys think, that rather than have Dyke Steele and McNair bomb on in that sort of underlapping centre-halves thing that we're used to seeing from Chris Wilder's side. They were much more disciplined and they, they sat in a bit more along with Dale Fry uh, and they allowed and just with all the space he had to operate in, he was absolutely outstanding in central midfield and won everything. That was the basis, Matt, of why Middlesbrough got over the line because they, they, they got the tactics right in terms of not gambling too many players forward and they just grew into the game. David, from a player's perspective, are you, are you if you're a Middlesbrough player, obviously promotion's your main aim. Do you see the FA Cup as something that can aid that because you've got a win against a top Premier League side and you know you might get a plum draw in the quarterfinal? Or are you actually thinking this is maybe another match we could do without? No, no, and I think certainly with um certainly with Chris Wilder, you know, he, he is a I think he's an excellent manager. I think they've selected so well. You know, on and off the pitch, they're moving in the right direction. He's strengthened all over the pitch. I mean, Ian just mentioned there the midfielders. You know, Tavernier, House and Crooks, those three in the middle of the park are, are terrific for them. The two wing-backs are excellent. And he's got a big enough squad now to go and make changes and alternate. And, you know, the subs come off the pitch. As we know, he loves a forward, doesn't he? Loves a striker, changes them all the time. Um, and... You know, he's had, a, he's had an amazing impact and uh, it won't be a distraction. If you're a player, you you know, especially somebody that's like, you know, for example, um, uh, Coburn coming on, opportunity to come on in a cup and score a winning goal. You know, you ask those players if they'd rather concentrate on the league. Yes, that's important, but uh, a, a cup run really does help. And it can, and it can give you that bit of uh, impetus, you know, and confidence and help you with your league form as well. Massive for a relatively new manager as well, isn't it, Dance? You know, you're trying to get down your philosophy, get that across to your players. If you can hold up 
well, we've beaten Man United and Spurs, playing my way, <laughs> then that makes it easier for people to get on board with, I guess. Yeah, yeah. There won't be any dissenting voices in the in the dressing room at the moment. I shouldn't imagine at the Riverside. They've they've got to sort the away form out. We've spoken about that before on this podcast about Middlesbrough away from home being a little suspect, as shown by the defeat at Barnsley uh, in between the the win over West Brom and what happened in the cup on Tuesday night. But you know, Chris Wilder's no mug. He knows he's got to sort that out, and he, he was complaining that those defenders who I spoke about were defending too deep against Barnsley uh, and allowing players to get into pockets of space and, and that's where they caused all sorts of problems, Barnsley. So um, playoffs are definitely a, more than a distinct possibility, but they've got to keep up with the you know, two points a game sort of average that teams around them seem to be getting, uh, like Forrest, for example, who, of course, you know, you're keeping more than a, a close weather eye on Matt, you know, um, we'll, we'll see how they play out for the rest of the season. But yeah, I, I must mention Isaiah Jones as well. Second time I've seen him live in two weeks. Absolutely outstanding. Now I understand why Jed Spence was allowed to go out on loan because he's got the lot. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see if either Spence or Jones are at Middlesbrough players next season. One suspects not unless they are in the Premier League themselves, of course. All right, we'll take a look at the championship after this. So, Mr. Raniak, what's troubling you? Well, we've got a, a leak in the dressing room, Doctor. Right, and you want to find out who it is? No, no, I just can't find a good plumber. Sometimes there's only so much you can do. But with Paddy Power, our offers are watertight. So this weekend, get money back as a free bet if one leg of your 4 plus 4 bet builder lets you down. Paddy Power! Pre-match online bet builder bets only. Minards 1 to 5 per leg. Max free bet £10 per day. 7-day free bet expiry. Excludes enhanced match odds. Eligibility restrictions and T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org You're listening to the Totally Football League Show. Part of the Athletic Podcast Network. One midweek matchup in the championship. It was a significant game. Cardiff beating Derby by a goal to nil in South Wales. It moves Cardiff up to 18th, 16 points from danger and thus practically safe. Uh, David, it was after the game that Cardiff announced that Steve Morrison signed a contract to keep him as the chief bluebird until the end of next season. I mean, when they made this appointment and said it's an interim one, we were critical of it, saying that that doesn't offer any stability to, to, to players, to Morrison himself or to the club. This is hardly a massive show of faith, is it? Well, I mean, look, I think Steve Steve knows uh, and he said after the game, you know, I've done my job. And if you go back to when Mick McCarthy left the club, you know, they were a long, long way off hole. So, you know, they've really come on and he's got to be credited with that. He's, he's done a good job. They picked up some, you know, really good results, you have to say. Sometimes they need a little bit of luck, you know, make no mistake. They did against Derby, but they've showed character. You go back to his first game, right, when they were 3-0 down and they came back to draw 3-3. So, you know, and I know Steve a little bit. I worked with him at Millwall and the players will respect him. And, you know, they've, they've shown even against the top teams. Narrow defeats, Fulham, Huddersfield, they'll dig in and... You know, hopefully, as as Steve said after the game, you know, it'll just it'll just help them build towards you know the summer. Now they can start looking at the summer. They are safe, aren't they? He, he's he's fulfilled his remit, and and he's done his job. And and it's nice that you know, uh, I guess a, a younger coach has got an opportunity. I think in this transient era of managers, Matt, where the average lifespan is less than two years, I think now, 
I don't think it's a controversial move by Cardiff to give him an extra year. Let's see what he can do with a, a summer transfer window and what he can then do at the start of next season. I'm sure Steve is just grateful to have been, you know, allowed the opportunity in the first instance when higher profile names than his were being linked. And the job he's done, as David has already perfectly described, means, you know, he's entitled to that that little bit of extra leeway. Let's see how he does. Uh, meanwhile, for Derby, the EFL say a lack of progress in naming a preferred bidder or providing proof of funding for the rest of the season is threatening the very future of the club. The administrators, Quantuma, have said that they hope to name a preferred bidder for the Rams shortly. Feels like they've been saying that for an awful long time now. Uh, on the pitch, dance, fifth loss on the bounce away from Pride Park for them. Only two wins on the road all season. Uh, Wayne Rooney took it well. Our decisions being made against us because of the situation we're in. No one wants us in the championship next season. That's been clear all season. We've had our punishment, but ultimately, I think the real punishment is going to League One. Um, I feel like maybe if he'd had another 10 minutes to compose himself before he gave that interview, he might have said something different. Uh, the fact of the matter is this away record is atrocious and, and that might well be one of the big reasons in why they go down, apart from the massive points deduction, obviously. I, I didn't like hearing that from, from Wayne. He's better than that. He's better than uh, you know going down that particular conspiracy theory route, in my opinion. I mean, they could have had the lead. I mean, what a save from Alex Smithies to deny Colin Kazim Richards early in the piece. I still don't know how he kept it out. It was an amazing stop. So Derby could have hit the front uh, at the Cardiff City Stadium. And who knows whether they would have held on to it. Um, they're still not completely dead and buried. And I'm sure I've said this to you before, Matt, on, on the Totally Football League show. The fact that we're even discussing the possibility of Derby getting out of trouble is extraordinary in itself when you think back to the autumn and where we are now and what they've achieved. But um, yes, I agree with you. I think if Wayne had his time again, he, his comments might have been a bit more measured than they were. While we're talking championships, Stoke have released their accounts. They make for very bleak reading. Kieran Maguire from the Price of Football explains Stoke City lost £55 million in the year to end of March 2021 compared to an £87 million loss the previous season. The EFL changed their profit and sustainability rules to let clubs take COVID-related losses off the FFP sum, which means that Stoke and Bristol City and Borough potentially will likely not get points deductions. I wonder how Derby are feeling about that. Uh, plenty of action in midweek in League One. Shrewsbury and Rotherham drew nil-nil. It means that Rotherham 10 points clear of third place MK Dons. Uh, that meant second place Wigan could cut the gap on the Millers, which they duly did with a routine 2-0 home win against Fleetwood. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of something interesting to talk about the game that, that wasn't that grapple at the end between Garner and McLean. But Dance, you and I are supposed to be in the position where we say, nobody wants to see that. But I mean, really, you, you love to see it, don't you? You see it in every ice hockey match in the NHL, don't you? So, um, you know, it's kind of de rigueur. But well, yes, you know, it. I don't know whether the crowd regarded it as entertainment or whether it just added to the spectacle or... Whether it's well, you know, I, I don't particularly like to see it myself. I, I I would rather players just got on with the game and didn't get involved in any silly stuff. I don't know what I mean. I don't regard it as entertainment. Let's put it that way. No, it's nonsense between 
sort of immature people, isn't it? But I don't know. Some of us are here for that, like me. Uh, it's your old club, of course, David Wigan. I mean, they've had a terrific season. We've been saying they've got these games in hand as well. Three points clear of, of MK Dons. You must be full of praise for, for what's happened there. In, in terms of the turnaround from the takeover, we mentioned the brilliant job that the manager's done. I mean, he's literally saved one of his players' lives. It's looking rosy for Wigan <laughs> at the moment, isn't it? Oh, it is. And, and um, you know, I, I was doing the uh, the League Cup final. I was there at the weekend as you were. And, and in my time at Wigan, you know, that's, that's the first final they reached, you know, and those were sort of heady days, really. And, um, you know, it's, it's a terrific time to be at that football club. And, um, you know, Lee Richardson's done, he's done a fabulous job. He, he really has. And, uh, you know, I guess I just have to be careful in terms of the likes of MK Dons in behind them with a couple of games, you know, in hand that that gap could be closed. So he knows, he knows he's got to keep winning. You know, it is tight at the top. So the pressure, the pressure will be there to keep picking up the wins, picking up the, the points. And that will be the only thing. Uh, some great news coming out of Wigan this Thursday morning. Charlie White back in training, hopes to be available for selection at the start of next season. You'll remember he suffered a cardiac arrest at Wigan's training ground in November. Now, elsewhere, there was a much-needed win for Wickham. A first in eight attempts, they swatted aside Cambridge at Adams Park. Moves them to within a point of the playoffs. And I think, David, here, actually, the clean sheet as welcome as the, as the three goals. They conceded 11 in the previous three, which is not very Wickham-like. No, that's right. I mean, um, you know, Gareth sort of saying, you know, they've got, I think he's he's almost saying, you know, I'm not too sure how we're going to play or opponents aren't because he's he's changed things up. He's sort of played a different shape leading up to the end of January, changed to a back four. It worked. Um, they scored, I, I think the first one was a little bit lucky if you see the first goal, a little, little bit of deflection, which, you know, sometimes you need that bit of luck. Two early goals helped them. Um and, you know, they're, they're sort of, uh, uh, I guess, he's certainly got the talent now. If you look at that starting team, it's a really strong League One team for Wickham, I think. Uh, I think that's probably one of the best squads he's had, I think, Gareth, since he's been at Wickham. Do you, do you think they'll be top six, Dance? They've kind of been flirting with, with falling out of playoff contention in recent weeks. Well, I think we were all a bit concerned for them with the run that they were on before this win in midweek that they could sustain it. But what's always important, and you can level this at Rotherham as well, Matt, is that these players, a lot of these players, have the knowledge of what it took to get up previously from League One into the Championship, and that will be invaluable. Uh, It does appear to have a lot of options up front. Of course, there's Big Akin Fenwer if, if things need to go a certain way. You've got Brandon Handlon who can come on and cause problems. Uh, Gareth McCleary is vastly experienced in the EFL. So they've got the tools that they need to get over the line and get the wins. Um, but look, it, it, I was a bit concerned for them with the run that they suddenly went on. But let's assume that that's a blip and they're just going to pick up from here on in. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday looked to be one of the form teams in the league just now. They pummeled Burton 5-2 at Hillsborough. They're up to fifth in the table. Burton did get it back to 2-2 before the Owls... Um, What's the equivalent of stepping on the gas? Flap their wings harder, ate a mouse, scored three goals in the final 25 minutes of the game. They move it away now for Ballon. Ballon does shoot! Oh! And he's done it! Oh, Lofting the ball in high over the goalkeeper. He's deserved more than the one goal he had before. He's now got two.
basically. Uh, we've seen it before this season, David. Barry Bannon is a real difference maker at this level and he was in this game too. And if they can keep him on song between now and the end of the season, maybe a push for the for the automatic promotion places not beyond them? Oh, yeah. I think they've got a great chance. And, you know, Barry, to be honest, is not out of place in the championship. I mean, Barry would be one of the most talented players in the championship. I mean, when I was working in recruitment, every time I'd watch Sheffield Wednesday, watch him, he'd be the best player on the pitch. You know, so whether he's scoring goals, whether he's, you know, putting brilliant crosses into the box from set pieces, free kicks, um, you know, he's playing a little bit more advanced. He's a sensational player. And look, they are helped. Now he's got Massimo Luongo back fit, you know, which helps Barry just play a little bit more advanced. And no, he's top quality. David will remember, Matt, uh, he and I watched that relegation decider in the championship between Derby and Sheffield Wednesday at the end of last season. And I'm sure that David and I said to each other during the commentary that, yes, whoever gets, if one of these two teams, because it could have been both, if one of these teams gets relegated, it's a horrible thing, but it might be a blessing in disguise in the sense that they can then completely recalibrate the club and go again. And as it turns out, I, I think Sheffield Wednesday have got far the better end of the deal than Derby did by actually going relegated, getting relegated and starting again whilst Derby survived but have had this awful season with a 21-point deduction. I must mention Marvin Johnson's goal, the half volley. I mean, from the edge of the area, it's a beauty of a strike. Flick on, it'll come to the edge of the area. Johnson! Marvellous Marvin again! Deserves that! He's been cracking recently and he cracks that in. At the cop end. Wonderful hit from him. Um, and good on Darren Moore. What is it? Seven wins out of eight for Sheffield Wednesday? Fabulous. Uh, and I, I wonder if there's any West Bromwich Albion fans in the parlour state they're in going through managers like a knife through butter, wondering whether they made completely the wrong decision in jettisoning Darren Moore as soon as they did. I think there's more than a couple. I think there'll be plenty of them. Uh, Portsmouth 3, Oxford 2. Meanwhile, another three goals for Pompey at Fratton Park, but this time in a winning effort. They came out on the right end of the five-goal thriller against Oxford. David, just looking at the stats from this game, it feels like a typically efficient performance from Pompey under under Cowley. Less possession, fewer shots, but come from behind to win. Yeah, I tell you what, though. They, if, if Sean Raggett hadn't have equalised just before half-time, it would have been a lot different, let me tell. I mean, you know, a former Pompey player um, and, you know, they there was 15,000 there again. And I think if they'd have gone in 1-0 down, it would have been different. But then, obviously, they went 2-1 up. I mean, um, you know, George Hirsch with a, with a lovely finish from uh, Marcus Harness' run. And suddenly, the whole game changed complexion. And Hirsch could have scored again. He could have made it 4-1. He could have made the game out of sight. And in the end, Oxford sort of made it a little bit tight. But... No, it's. Um, I don't think they'll lose much sleep because you go back to the Fleetwood game, and you know they had about twenty something strikes on goal, and 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 were three 0 down, and and grabbed a three three. So I don't think Danny Cowley will lose too much sleep about who has more of the ball or not. As for Oxford dance, great for us neutrals, aren't they? Because there's always so many goals in their games. But yeah, just just looking at it in a kind of very basic binary way, they need to stop conceding so many goals, don't they? Only Sunderland in the top six have, have let in more. Yeah, but but at least they're still you know sandwiched nicely in that sort of playoff pack. I don't think there's any need for any immediate concern 
from Oxford's point of view. They've got Burton coming to the Kazam on Saturday. And they had won their previous three before their defeat at Fratton Park. And as David's rightly mentioned, if Raggett and Hurst hadn't found the goals they had at half-time, who knows what confidence Oxford might have derived from that to go into the second half at Fratton. Um, that a team mirrors its manager and, you know, they're an, he's a very open man, Carl Robinson, and Oxford are a very open team, it seems, uh, uh, by uh, in a very similar fashion. But uh, they're good to watch. Uh, it's, it's never a boring game watching Oxford United. Uh, some bad news for Portsmouth, by the way, coming out of that. Rico Hackett-Fairchild set to miss the rest of the season after rupturing knee ligaments. Uh, we wish him a speedy recovery. In League Two, five of the seven games on Tuesday ended all square. We're going to focus on the bottom of the table. That's where the significant action took place. Carlisle 2, Rochdale 0. Is that a derby? Probably not. They're quite close together, mm-hmm. though. Uh, looks like the decision by, by Carlisle to, to ditch the director of football and Keith Millen could well be vindicated, though. Second win in succession under Paul Simpson here. Uh, David, I'm really interested in Amari Patrick. Scored for the second successive game. He moved to Burton in the summer, only started five games there, failed to score. He's got five for Carlisle since the, the turn of the year. Are there just some players who just feel more comfortable in, in certain environments? Was it a case of the step up to League One was a bit too much for him? What's what's your theory? Yeah, possibly. And also, look, I think Paul Simpson is going to be a superb manager for him. You know, I know Paul, ironically, all the protagonists in this I played with, you know, David Oldsworth, who's now left there, Keith Millen, I know from my time at Watford, Paul Simpson from my time at Wolves. And... You know, Paul is, is, is a man who, and some centre-forwards need an arm around them, and he's one of those managers, Paul, you know, and I spoke to him before the Orient game, and he said, we're not going to too much, do too much on the opposition, we're just going to focus on ourselves, you know, because, because the players just need to see, can I get the best out of these players that I've got? And he's a, he's a, he's a coach, he loves to be on the grass improving his players, and that is two massive victories. You know, and the finishes were good, right, from the other night. Two really good finishes. You know, you, you would say, I think for the first one, the goalkeeper's made an error. But, but uh, if, you, if, you, um, if you go back to the Orient game, it was a great finish from Omar Patrick. Um, so two good wins and, and Paul Simpson is, uh, is, is dropped. Would he have gone anywhere else? He said probably not. So uh, Carlisle Mann, he's had a great impact. Yeah, credit to Toby Show-Silver as well, Matt, for his strength and... Uh, just stickability and staying on his feet uh, for that second goal and finishing things off since he's moved from Sutton United. I don't think he was getting that much pitch time at, at Gander Green Lane. So fair play. That was a. I was really impressed with that finish and just his his desire to keep going when many of would have gone to ground under the pressure he was under. So Carlisle on the up, you say the same about Oldham, a 2-2 draw for them away to Crawley. That after Christopher Misalu hit the equaliser for the Latics, still in the relegation zone dance, but they've got momentum, haven't they? I mean, they're, they're on their longest unbeaten league run in eight years, seven matches. And, and and the fact that they're picking up points and also, you know, Barrow, see them losing at Bristol Rovers has, has done them a bit of a favour too. They they were they were being written off by the likes yeah. of us earlier this season, but all of a sudden the comeback looks on. The Shez erection continues. Um, <laughs> and having uh, taken the lead... Uh, and it was a good finish from Hallam Hope as well. You're thinking, well, here we go again. But then, was it two goals in three minutes from Nadizan putting Crawley back in front? So that shows character as well, Matt, that that uh, a team like Oldham can 
you know, roll with the punches and come back and, and earn a very creditable point. Um, I think Davis Keeler Dunn's been outstanding for Oldham this season. You know, one of the, the, the players who's been very consistent and he's been getting goals both pre and post Sheridan's arrival at the club. So, you know, they're still in the bottom two, but they've, they're making those above them a lot more nervous than they would have been at Christmas time. Plenty of late drama between Colchester and Leighton Orient. They played out a 2-2 draw too. Colchester would have gone above Orient had they not conceded in stoppage time. I find it strange, David, that we still don't have a Leighton Orient manager and, and Colchester still under the interim care of Wayne Brown. Do you think these two clubs really have a grasp on how serious their situation is? Because they're, they're far from safe, either of them. Oh, I'm sure, look, uh, that stoppage time equaliser for Orient was was massive because Matt Harold he's, he's found it tough. You know, I think the first game against Carlisle, I think Carlisle had the benefit of appointing Paul Simpson permanently and, you know, he just focused on himself and that big travelling support. I think the season that Orient have had was has been such a letdown for them under Kenny Jackier, I think it's a it's a bigger one to turn around, I think. And that yeah, they have very serious, I think, worries in terms of the drop. Make you know, make make no mistake. So you've got to remember they're on the playoffs in December, so it's it's gonna be difficult for them psychologically from now on in. Really hard. I understand them, Dance, wanting to make the right appointment, but also time is of the essence. Well because clubs like Oldham have made their change and are seeing the positive benefit from that, then no wonder supporters of clubs that either have a no manager at all or an interim manager, in the case of these two sides, they're going to get jittery. And that nervousness may well project itself onto the pitch where the players are. I'm not sure who's in line to uh, replace Kenny Jacket permanently uh, at, at Orient, or whether they're actually whether Colchester are actually going to take the plunge and give... Wayne Brown his opportunity and give him the job permanently. But the uncertainty just plays into the hands of those around them. You look at teams like, you know, Stevenage and Barrow uh, and Rochdale, who are still sort of in it, although I think they might be getting towards safety now, Dale. But um, yeah, that, that uncertainty doesn't help either club. Right, so that was the midweek action. Next today, we will look ahead to the pick of the weekend's games. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX is Welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. 
You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. If you want to read more Football League content from the likes of Nancy Frostick, Paul Taylor, Phil Buckingham, Peter Rutzler, and more of the Athletic's best writers, you can do so by heading to theathletic.com forward slash league show and get yourself a subscription of just £1 a month for the next six months. That's theathletic.com forward slash league show. In the Championship, it's Derby County versus Barnsley. Massive game at the foot of the table. We've mentioned uh, Derby's problems continue in terms of their administration. David, I guess one of the big issues for them is they are not an attractive proposition. There are plenty of other clubs in the EFL who are supposedly for sale, the likes of Huddersfield, Preston. I mean, any club's for sale, isn't it, if the price is right? But... The four-week extension that they had ended last month, over a week ago, in fact, they're hoping to name a preferred bidder. All of this, there's only so much that Wayne Rooney can use this kind of stuff of, as motivation, isn't there? there? There comes a point where where the burden of this will get too much on them. Uh, yeah, and, you know, after this, you, you want to see the fixtures they've got. You know, Bournemouth, Blackburn, uh, Coventry, so... This is a huge game down the bottom, uh, bottom against, obviously, a Barnsley team who... You know, look to have really come into form. They start well, and I just wonder, you know, will Barnsley start on the front foot again as they have done the last two games? If they get a couple of early goals, you know, against Derby at Pride Park, it's going to be so difficult for the home team. So, um, yeah, big, big job and and uh, really difficult times if you're Derby County. Really difficult. Total shift in momentum dance between these two clubs. You know, every, everybody was thinking Derby were going to pull off the great escape, and and despite the circumstances, there was a good feel around the team, if not the club. But that seems to have changed now. What have you made of this incredible revival that Poyer Asbagi's been able to to oversee with Barnsley in recent weeks? We we didn't see it coming. No, no. But then the form of Amina Bassi on loan from Mets has clearly been pivotal to the change in their attacking intent. Got his first two goals uh, at the weekend. I think getting Dominguez Keener in from Watford on loan is also a very smart little piece of loan business because in that sort of 4-2-3-1 that Barnsley play, him on the left-hand side drifting in can cause problems. I've always been a fan of Callum Styles in midfield. I think he's a tricky little customer. I don't know what David thinks of him, but I think he's, he's, he's championship quality, you know, if Barnsley don't manage to stay up, I'm sure there's room for him at a, a championship club to further develop somewhere. But Bassi seems to have been something of a catalyst for, for the revival, winning three out there last four. And the, the other thing as well, you know, I think Tom Lawrence is back for this game. Um, he had the, the three-game ban and, and I think Wayne drew a bit of criticism for for allowing him almost United S to, to to jet off into the sun, and and everyone's saying, well, hang on a minute, you know, he's our captain. How can you give him time off? But I guess that's how Wayne and maybe they manage things at Man United. But you know, he's their top goal scorer, he's their best player, he's their captain, you know, and and he's got to come back and deliver now because once you've had a week in the sun, you know, and you're back at Pride Park in a must-win game, you've got to deliver. Yeah, it doesn't look good if you've got a tan and you get sent off again, certainly. Um, meanwhile, on Friday night, Sheffield United and Nottingham Forest put their promotion credentials to the test when they face off at Bramall Lane. I'm sorry, just just a really weird sentence for me to say, Nottingham Forest <laughs> and promotion credentials. Uh, Sheffield United dance, first defeat in nine for them at Millwall last weekend. Massive month ahead, Borough, Coventry and Blackpool all to play. So I guess we'll have a, a pretty decent idea after that how realistic their hopes of, of bouncing back to the Prem first time are. 
they should still be in amongst it with that squad. And with the the calm hand of Paul Heckingbottom on the tiller, I've been very impressed with the way he's gone about his duties with a minimum of fuss. He's returned Sheffield United to that three centre-half system that most of the squad seem to understand and enjoy playing. He's got the likes of, you know, Baldock can still do that job as the right wing back, Norrington Davis at the moment playing left wing back. I know they've lost McGoldrick to injury, but Billy Sharp's still there, McBurney and Dye just in behind. Ollie Norwood can run a game in midfield at the Championship uh, if he gets just a, a modicum of space in which to work. So the tools are there for Sheffield United to, to maintain their position in the table. Let's see whether that defeat at the Den was just a, a bit of an anomaly. Forest-wise, David, they needed that win against Bristol City last weekend after successive draws. Do, do you agree with me that it's it's almost now or never for Forest in, in terms of promotion because they're not going to have some of their key men from this season, next season. You know, Spence will be somewhere else. Brennan Johnson will probably be somewhere else. They might not be able to keep Keenan Davis. Even Joe Worrell might go. And and at some point before too long, Steve Cooper is going to be due a spell at Watford. So whilst they've got this momentum, they, they really ought to try and drive on and, and make it this season. Oh, I mean, you saved the best till last there, which was Steve Cooper. He's the one they've got to keep hold of. Um, I think there's only Fulham that have taken more points since he's been appointed and I know Steve a little bit he's done a great job don't don't get me wrong and they do have some crown jewels I think Brennan Johnson is obviously the key one a uh, bit of luck for the goal because I think Daniel Bentley should have done better with it it's gone under his body and you know once that first goal goes in it was difficult for Bristol City on their on their on uh, but look Forrest fantastic you know um, they're playing really really well and I think Sheffield United would be really worried about the pace that that front two possess. If there's a quicker front two, you can let me know who they are. Keenan Davis and Brennan Johnson, I have seen them rip defences to shreds. They are so quick. How you stop them, that'll be the challenge for that Sheffield United back three, which I imagine he'll pull in and try and make it a five. I doubt even at home with a Bramall Lane packed that those wing-backs will be going as forward as much as they have been because, you know, the spaces that will be left for Johnson and Davis, will, will they'll get punished if they do. Uh, Forrest, good away from home under Cooper. Only lost two of 12, clean sheets in three of the last four. Sheffield United unbeaten in seven at home. Probably finishes a draw then. Uh, the League One game that we're going to talk about takes the old affair at the top of the table. Leaders Rotherham hosting third-placed MK Dons. I'll ask you about Rotherham in a second dance, but who do Wigan want to win this game? <laughs> um, I suppose they want a draw, do they? Or uh, perhaps perhaps a Rotherham win to make it easier for MK to overhaul the Latics? I don't know. Maybe a draw and cancelling each other out classic might be what, um, what Liam Richardson would be happy with. Although, if we were to ask him right now, he would trot out that familiar... Well... Doesn't matter what they do, we can only concentrate on what we do. So maybe we should say the same. <laughs> Rather and brilliant at home, aren't they? Only only two defeats in the league there all season, the most recent of which was in September. Are you still of the mind that we kind of have been for the last few weeks and months that it, that it's Rotherham plus two others to go up? I think so. Uh, what I've been impressed with with Rotherham is when they have lost, and all right, it's not been that often, but they've reacted really well to a defeat. I think they've only had back-to-back defeats once, and that was very early in the season in League and Cup. Other than that, they've always responded well 
to any defeat that they've suffered. They've kept the most clean sheet, 20 clean sheets in League One this season. So the likes of Ihikwe at the back, keeping things really, really tight. Michael Smith banging in the goals up front. What The, the question remains, what happens when, if we're assuming it's inevitable, it's a fait accompli that they're up, how does Paul Warren then recalibrate for a, a go at the championship to try and survive this time after the yo-yoing? Yeah, I mean, Dan's touched on it there, and I think they're... We all talk about the goals they they score, Rotherham, but obviously only letting the one against Wigan. That's in the last 10 games. So a real challenge for MK Dons, but they beat Wickham. They beat Pompey on the road. Um, they got goal scorers in the team, as we know, Maisa, Twine. So it's um, it, it's it, it's going to be a difficult game for, for Rotherham. And also, I think MK kind of have to win because the other side's in and around them are not too far off them. So they can they can challenge Wigan, make no mistake, for that second spot. But I think so could maybe so could maybe Oxford and Sheffield Wednesday. How impressed have you been with Liam Manning this season, David? I mean they, they come into this game unbeaten in eight. This is his first season as as a head coach. You feel like the, the manager of the year award for League One will be hotly contested, but he's got to be a contender in his in his rookie year, hasn't he? Yeah, I guess you've um, got a credit as well a little bit, Pete Winkleman, because he's always given young coaches young managers a chance at MK and it's got that reputation um, and you know he's kind of continued on in the same with the same methodology and philosophy of dominating the ball you know that Russell Martin had and uh, it's bearing fruit they're in a terrific position and he's done a great job he has he's done a superb job. And meanwhile, in League Two, hope for those chasing down Forest Green that a title race might still be possible after Rovers dropped more points midweek. And Northampton and Tranmere, best place to take advantage should FGR run out of renewable energy at the pair meet at Sixfields on Saturday. Northampton, David, could do with a win here. Less than convincing of late. Only one win in five. Let the lead slip against Warsaw on Tuesday. Uh, goal scoring their biggest problem. Only managed more than one in the game once in 2022. Yeah, I mean, certainly, uh, it's, I mean, I'm sure Sam Hoskins thinks, how did I not score? He hit the post from about three yards out at one all. So it could have been a little bit different form. But you compare to everyone else in the league, and, you know, sort of Sam's got a third of the goals uh, as Dominic Telford. And so, so at some point, you do wonder whether, you know, the likes of Exeter or Sutton or some others are going to catch him up purely because, and even Mansfield down in seventh, you know, they're probably looking over their shoulder wondering, you know, if the goals do dry up. Because at some point, you know, not even to have anyone in double figures shows you how well they've done at the other end of the pitch, Northampton. Uh, Tranmere also a bit short of form at the moment, Dance Lost three of their last four. The temptation is, is to kind of look at what's going wrong for them. But is there a possibility that this is just what happens in, in a league where FGR aside, you know, it, it's really tight. Ten points between second place and 11th. Everybody's capable of beating each other. Yeah, I mean, Tranmere, David's mentioned that the, the lack of goals from Northampton's point of view. Tranmere are in the same boat. You've got Kieran Morris on five goals in League Two. A couple of guys like uh, Charlie Jolly on four. And then, you know, you're down to threes, twos and ones. Um, so what's been important for Tranmere is the the number of clean sheets they've kept. Talked about Rotherham with 20 in League One. I think Tramier have kept 17, just like Northampton have. So maybe this game's kind of nailed on for a, a nil-nil 
on on Saturday between these two, which would work in, I guess, in Forest Green's favour. But yeah, I, I saw Tramir get absolutely walloped by Forest Green up at Prenton Park about a month ago, and they just had, had no answer to Forest Green that day. It really was, if not one-way traffic, it wasn't far off it. Um, maybe that's kind of started this blip and maybe a lack of confidence, but um, Mickey Mellon's been around the block a few times. Uh, he'll he'll have a few uh, tricks up his sleeve to try and see whether Tramir can get themselves back into second place and get back above Northampton, but yeah, it's. I think that game's... I mean, maybe these teams will go up automatically anyway, but I think it's nailed on for a goalless draw. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, let's get some odds. Courtesy of Paddy Power and producer Abby on those games that we've been talking about. Uh, I'll let you pick where you want to start, Abby. I'm going to start in the Championship. We like it there. So uh, we'll start on Friday night, Sheffield United Forest. Sheffield United are the odds on favourites in this one, 19 to 20. Uh, the draw is 23 to 10. And uh, Forest, they're not good on Friday nights, are they, Matt? So they are 3 to 1 to win that game. Uh, we also spoke about Derby Barnsley. Uh, Derby, the heavier favourites here, they are 21 to 20. Uh, the draw is 21 to 10. And Barnsley way out at 27 to 10. If you fancy Tom Lawrence as an anytime goal scorer, he is 11 to 4. Four. Moving into League One and we're looking at uh, Rotherham versus MK Dons. Um, both teams to score no is what I was sort of picking up from what uh, David and Ian were saying there. And I'm looking at both teams to score no because Rotherham are so stingy. That's 19 to 20 might be a good one for any of your bet builders. But Rotherham are the favourites, 20 to 23. MK Dons, 3 to 1. The draw, 5 to 2. And finally, into the nil-nil draw between... <laughs> Northampton and uh, Tranmere. If you do fancy an un- uh, a nil-nil or perhaps under 1.5 goals, you could get some very good value there. It's two to one for under 1.5 goals. Northampton are the favourites. They are 23 to 20, Tranmere 23 to 10 and the draw 11 to five. And if you do want that nil-nil, it is 15 to two. Thanks, Abby. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. T's and C's apply. And when the fun stops... Stop. All right, before we go, this caught my eye this week. Tranmere are looking for a local act to perform at home games to whip up the crowd. You have to meet certain criteria, though. Namely, you need to bring your own speaker and microphone. One of your songs will be played before the match and at halftime. There will be a small piece about you in the programme. Brackets, time permitted. Close brackets. Pre-match performances from 2pm to 2.45. And Tranmere say we are a very family-friendly club, so no explicit language to be used in your songs. Uh, After all that, I want to know what's your ideal pre-match hype music. Dance, this is very much in your wheelhouse. What what are you you picking to get you pumped? First of all, I can't believe that they haven't already approached Half Man Half Biscuit at Tranmere (laughs) to see if they can play All I Want for Christmas is a Duke Prague Awake It on a loop. Um, you know, from <laughs> two o'clock through till two forty-five. That, that's a, that's a winner for me. Uh, that's guaranteed to whip the crowd into a frenzy. Uh, more seriously, uh, hype music. I was thinking about this, and and I remember. Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a rock fan, so I'm obviously going to go down the rock music route. But I remember I, I I was covering a game at Swansea some years ago, and David will know this. And I don't know whether you've been to the the Swansea.com stadium, Matt, but the the press room. Uh, on the other side of the wall from the press room is the away dressing room. Uh, and more often than not, you can hear what's coming out of the boombox in the away dressing room whilst you sat there having your pre-match meal in the press lounge. And one week, the sound of Thunderstruck by ACDC was absolutely thumping through the wall into where we were sat 
in the in the press room, and I thought, well, that's just that. If that doesn't get you up for a game, a bit of akadaka, I don't know what does. I think, and there's a number of clubs around Europe who use Thunderstruck as their uh, walkout music when the teams exit the tunnel. So yeah, I'd have to go. You can't go wrong with a bit of ACDC. It's a good shout. I was going to go for it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. So we're on the same page here. Um, David, what's your ideal pre-match hype music? Well, um, I've had a, a good think about this. I mean, with Ireland, we used to play, obviously, U2 on a loop the whole time. But whenever I hear U2 now, I just think of cold dressing room floors. <laughs> so <laughs> um, although there's lots of other things, you know, it brings back lots of great memories. It is the cold dressing room floors. But I would probably say something like uh, Rock the Casper from The Clash. Um I was thinking I've had so many clubs. Should I stay or should I go? Something like that, you know. <laughs> so, um, or, you know, London Calling. And, uh, you know, I know quite a lot of clubs, QPR come out to that. And uh, But I do, I, uh, yeah, anything by the, by the clash, I think, would certainly get me going. Good shout. You, you, of course, you could have had, I still haven't found what I'm looking for for your career as well. Yes, oh, obviously. obviously. Yes, oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, or Matt, this could be with or without you. Do you want me or not? Very oh, good, right, very go. good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we better finish this now before we get lost in a world of YouTube puns. Um, many thanks to David and to Dance for joining me today and to producer Abby for putting it all together as well. We'll be back on Monday when we reflect on the best of the weekend's action. Do join us for that if you can. Until then, from all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.